Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Happy Mother's Day. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for being the moms that you are. If you're watching and you're a mom, thank you for being the mom that you are. Thank you. I, I, have, I, I am very, very blessed. I, I not only have a mother, I also have a wife who, who uh, sometimes has to be my mom too. Because uh, I needed, and God knew I needed such extra momming that He gave me multiple moms. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being that. Even Jill has to mom me sometimes when she comes back and says, Where are your scriptures? I'm like, Just guess, because I don't ever know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you. Thank you, moms. You know, moms, especially in today's world, um, moms is, is such an important role. Such a powerful role, such a powerful role in, in children's lives to where it, uh, it creates such a support system, especially in this world where we're seeing so many broken homes that uh, unfortunately, and this, is, this, is, uh, this, this goes to me to pray for more, more dads and more guys out there, unfortunately, the moms a lot of times are the ones that pick up the extra role and they they run with that and, and they deserve to be honored for those that do that because uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Parenting is a lot of hard work, is it not? Parenting and doing it the right way is hard. There's no way, uh, there's no way around it being hard. It is just, it's, it's just hard sometimes, but so rewarding, so rewarding. There's nothing like having your children come up to you and tell you, that they love you without you prompting it. Now they may come afterwards and say, hey, Dad, let's get ice cream. And you're like, all right. <laughs> but there's nothing like that. So we are so, so thankful for all the moms who, who are godly moms. Thank you for who you are. Thank you so much. So having said that, um, make sure, if you're a mother, make sure you get a basket of flowers on your way out. Okay, I know they're out there and they're smelling up the hallway. So make sure you grab one on your way out. Just a little token to say thank you. Thank you for being mom. All right. Without further ado, John chapter 2. You like how that rhymed? Right? John chapter 2. Starting at verse 1. We're going to read John chapter 2 starting at verse 1. We're going to talk about a, talk about Jesus, of course, but then how Jesus chose to have a mom. Isn't that kind of crazy? That God Almighty who could do anything any way He wanted to chose to have a mom. Chose to have a mother. Chose to have someone who is always watching and always believing and always being there. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Got to get my clock out here so I don't hold y'all too long. If, uh, if y'all pay me off, I'll let y'all out a little early so you can get to the Mother's Day buffet quicker. No takers. All right. We're in for it then. John chapter 2, starting verse 1. If you have it, say, I got it. On the third day, boy, there's a... Topic for you right there, right? Isn't it amazing what he does on the third day? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? For my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. 
Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty to thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And He said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good stuff. But when the guests have drunk, have well drunk, then the inferior comes out. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. Father God, we love You. Lord, we ask that Your blessing would be upon our ears to hear exactly what You would have to say. God, let us listen. Let us learn to listen. Let us learn to listen intently, purposely, clearly. Let us learn to listen with the intent to perform what it is You've asked us to do. To know who it is You've asked us to know. To draw close. To walk through an open door. To come and commune and abide in You. Lord, let us intent, intently listen to Your Word today. Thank You for the purpose behind Your Word. Thank You for the purpose behind the blood of Jesus Christ that keeps us going. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Thank You for this time. Bless it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I, maybe I read this a little differently than you do. That's to be understood, knowing that my mind is a little different. It's, I get it. My mind is, goes a little, little crazy sometimes. I have a little bit of a vivid imagination. But in this setting and in this, this, this moment where Jesus is just there hanging out at a feast, at a festival, at a time in which there was a major celebration going, because to the Jews, the wedding is a very, very big celebration. I mean, they would celebrate for days. They would party hard. Uh, some upwards of seven full days of, fe of feasting and partying and coming together as family and as friends. They knew how to throw down. Turn to your neighbor and say, Amen. I think we need to get back to that, right? I think we need to get back to that. Being able to show up and be there for one another for multiple days and to show up and be there celebrating what we are and who we are together. I think it's time for us to start making sure we're getting back to the church and we're getting back to fellowshipping and we're getting back to meeting together and being together. We're getting back to praying for one another. We're getting back to Bible studying with one another and letting iron sharpen iron. I think it's time for us to get back to the point where we are being fully what God has called us to be. While yes, we might need to be a little cautious at times, I would dare you, I would dare say that there there is never a time I don't get around church people where I'm not cautious in the first place because y'all are crazy. That's okay. We're all crazy. I'm a little crazy too. You should always be cautious when you're around me as well. No, I'm just kidding, okay? But I do think it is time for us to get back to the point where we fully come together and we party like God has wanted us to party? When's the last time we came together and celebrated who we were in Him? Hopefully we just did that, right? I mean, we don't just sing songs about great is the Lord and, and let's shout to the Lord and let's, let's do all of these great things and then we're like, okay, well that was good. Let's, let's remember who we are. And that was really what this is about. It's what this is about. We're going to talk for just a few minutes about what Jesus is making all of His ministry in life about. And we're going to see how Mama Mary started it all. 
started it all. Again, I look at this a little differently. And how many of you, when you read this, you have this picture of Mama Mary being one of those like uh, bossy moms who's running around telling everybody what to do in the party. It's okay, all right? It's okay to be honest. I know we have this, this picture of the Virgin Mary and how she's always just sitting there with her hands folded in her lap and an angelic glow that's around her head and she never had to lift a finger whenever you realize, no, I think God chose her on purpose because God knew she would get some stuff done. Any moms in here have to be the ones to get things done? Are you the ones that have to crack the whip and to get things moving, get things going? Sometimes you are. I think that is by design. I think that's by design. You've heard the old saying, that's why God put Adam to sleep when he made Eve, because that was the last nap he'd ever really get to take. (laughs) But I've got this picture in my mind where Mary at this point is not just sitting back and thinking everything will just magically fall into place. As much as I would love to say that that is how it works, the more I get just immersed in ministry, the more I get immersed in life and immersed in doing what God has called me to do, the more I realize it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of getting up and doing some stuff. It's a lot of going after some things that God had even promised to give you. Some promises that are there are within reach. But if all you do is just wait on it to come to you, you're going to let it slide right on by. I've preached this before. I'm not going to belabor this point. But what would have happened if the woman with the issue of blood said, well, there goes my promise walking by. There goes my healing walking by. There goes my health walking by. There goes everything that I could ever need or want walking by. There goes everything that will cure me, help me, and set me up for the rest of my life walking right by. And let me just fold my arms and hope that He comes my way and He doesn't ever look her way until she, who most likely was a mom because she did something about it, said, well, if I've got to crawl and get there and do whatever it takes, then I'm going to do that. That should be the motto of every mother, right? Whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes, whenever it takes it, you just do that. I think Mary was that kind of mom. I think that's why God chose her. I think Mary was running around making sure everything was being taken care of in this feast, in this wedding moment, in this wedding feast. I think she was doing that. And she foresaw that the wine, it had been running out and we still have some partying to do. We still have some stuff to do. And we got to make sure that we keep this party going. So... I've got this mental picture of her running around with a wooden spoon. (laughs) And she is making sure everybody is in line. And in the middle of everybody being in line, here she comes up to Jesus. Now, I've just got this, it's almost like she's got this Italian attitude, this I'm I'm going to be the boss, I'm I'm going to make sure and take care of everything even to the point of being a little bit abrasive. And that's okay. I know we're, we're living in a world where we're scared of that. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes I have some rough edges that need to be knocked off. And I so, I'm so glad that God doesn't mind knocking them off sometimes. I'm so glad that God has given, given me from time to time a little... I brought this out. Some of y'all laugh. Some of y'all scared to death. 
Right? How many of you have ever seen one of them? <laughs> Multi multitasker. Mom is the original multitasker. How many of y'all are good at multitasking? That's, that's right. Whatever you grab, whatever's close by, even if it's nothing to grab, then here just comes the hand. Right? <laughs> this is, I have in my mind Mary running around with this, and she points up at Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus. <laughs> hey, buddy. I know you're the Savior of the world, and I know you're God reincarnate, but right now you're under my watch, bud. <laughs> I think Mary took her anointing seriously. Where she was anointed to say, Jesus, this is what we've got to do. When, think about it. She spent her entire life telling Jesus, this is what needs to be done. And rightfully so, where God set up this relationship on purpose. Because God has invited this woman into the plan of God so that the woman would learn how to take care of what needed to be taken care of when it was time to take care of it. And I think we as Christians need to be a little more like that. I think we do. I think instead of just looking out there thinking, well, I wish things were better, I wish things were different, it's time for us to grab some wooden spoons and start stirring the pot. It's time for us to step up and say, now wait a minute, I know things look bad right now, but the party's not over yet. I know things are looking like it's starting to drain. I know we're looking at a society where we're wondering where is the good stuff at. I know things are different right now, but I think it's time for us to get to the point where we're ready to start doing something about it. Mary, I, I, I'm, what an interesting view we get this relationship between Mary and Jesus. Between Jesus and Mama. What an interesting relationship. This Mary taking very seriously what her role was. Some some of us need someone in our life to maybe take a little spoon to us and shape us up a little bit. I know we're, I know we're living in a day and a season and a world and a time in which that's not very popular. I get that. I get that. But I think it would behoove some of us for God to look at us and have somebody shake a spoon at us and say it's time to shape up. What am I getting to with this point? I'm getting to this. Why did Mary do what Mary did? Why did she step in and tell Jesus this? Why did she initiate this? And why did Jesus let her See, at first we look at this and we got this, this, this weird look on our face when we're reading this because Mary says, hey Jesus, come over here. And Jesus shakes a spoon right back, right? And says, wait a minute, woman, what, is, what does this have to do with me at this time? Right? And Mary did not argue with Jesus. Did you notice that? Mary didn't say, now Jesus, sit down and we're going to have some words. Let's talk it out. No, but what Mary did do was understand his heart better than anybody else in the feast. Why? Because she has believed in him since before he was born. She had this belief in Jesus from the very time that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her she conceived. 
And when he was born in a manger and angels started singing and the cattle were lowing and the sheep were just all laid down and, and the, the shepherds came in and wise men brought gifts and God provided and God moved and she raised and God helped. And, and we don't have a clue where Joseph is at this time. So it is very possible already at this time he has already most likely passed away. We don't know when he passed away, but some Bible scholars think that it was sometime about his teenage years. So she had been this also this single mom having this relationship with Jesus in such a way where she actually believed in Him more so than anybody else believed in Him. And that's why when she pulls him over and says, all right, Jesus, now it's time to do something. Now it's time for you to step up and be who I know you are. Now it's time for you to step up and be what I've seen behind closed doors. It's time to open the doors. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to rise up and do what I know you can do. And I love this because even though Jesus does it, what it looks like a little back sass. Have y'all noticed that? Where Jesus is like, what is it up to me now? What are you doing, woman? Right? And yet Mary turns and says what? Go do what He says. Turns to all the servants with the spoon and says, go do what Jesus says. I think what she is saying is that I know my son. Oh, I know my son. And I know that there's something down inside of him that's about to come out. I know it's time to step up. So she turns to the servants and gets them ready to be a part of a move of Jesus Christ. And she turns to those servants and they don't fully they're, they don't fully believe or are fully aware of what all is about to happen. They have no idea that Jesus' first miracle is about to take place. By the way, not just some little miracle. He didn't say that, he didn't, Jesus didn't say, go dump a bunch of Kool-Aid packets in the water pots that are already there. No, go fetch about 120 to 180 gallons of water. Go get to work. Mary, go get to work. Go get some water. Go start getting pails. Go start getting everything that's necessary to see Jesus move. Go start gathering. Go start working. Go start getting prepared. How many of you are prepared to see a move of Jesus? No, I mean, no, really. How many of you are prepared to see a move of Jesus Christ? You've heard the old saying, right? You got two farmers, both praying and needing a miracle. Which one is really expecting? The one who is going out there and getting his field ready. The one who's going out there and counting his seed. The one who is going out there, and, and it doesn't look perfect yet, but we're going to go ahead and, and till the soil. We're going to go ahead and get everything ready. The one expecting is the one that's doing. Let me let that sink in for a second. The one expecting is the one that's doing. I ask you, how many of you are expecting to see a move of Jesus? Well, it happens, it happens. Right? Do you think maybe God has allowed us to be in this place so that He can position His church to start striking some matches? To start lighting a fire. And it starts right here. That's the miracle. 
it's not just that it was 120 to 180 gallons of water that was, I mean, how'd you like to be a servant back in that day? Right? If it was today, you need 180 gallons of water? Hold on, let me get my app out. And let me see who I can call to come do that. Now this was hands-on, baby. (laughs) This was hands-on. I think God is still calling His workers to be hands-on. Right? That's why I don't think there is an app to fulfill all of Christianity on your phone. I don't think there's enough technology in the world that could come together to artificially be intelligent enough to be what God's called us to be. I think God is still using us and still wanting to use us. This was not just some little miracle. Fill six big stone jars. Enough to fill 750 to 1,000 bottles of wine. Just to kind of put it in perspective. Almost 1,000 bottles of wine could have been filled up in this moment with what he just did. Now, I don't know a whole lot about wine because I choose to get drunk off Popeye's chicken. But I know, I know that's a lot of bottles. And not just bottles of the old stuff, the bad stuff, the stuff that don't count. The good stuff. Now I want to go deeper just for a minute about the good stuff. Why was this His first miracle? And why is Mary part of this? First miracle, turning water into wine. Think about it. It's miraculous. It's something, it's something very special that He's doing. It's the inaugural miracle. Now, He could have chosen the inaugural miracle to, to raise somebody from the dead because that's what He's here for. The Bible says we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. And through His grace, we are made alive. Wow, who's excited about that? (laughs) See, I always thought I was a good church boy because I had one of these applied to me a couple of times. (laughs) It would probably do some people some good today to have this applied to them. A few times. Now I'm not getting on how to parent with everybody, but I know this much. If you saw what I saw about three or four nights, about three nights ago, four nights, I'm sorry, about four nights ago, where there was a child about six years old, if that, maybe less, that the mom asked him to do something, and he turned and he went like this. And he turned back and he started not doing exactly what mom had asked. And mom, I'm like, I'm just turning my back because I'm thinking, if, he, if I see that tongue one more time, I'm going to jump the fence. I turn my back and all I hear is her turn to another lady, I think, and said, this is, what, this is just a phase he is in. He's done this about 25 times in the last two days. And then she turns back and says, come on, baby, please come back. Mommy wants you to do something. And he then turns and says a very colorful word. And then turns back around and keeps right on walking. It was about that time that it took everything in me not to grab Eli's bat out of his bag. And I know I am a mean dad. Just ask my boys. I am cruel. I am mean. I am ruthless. I, we did, we did, we did all kinds of hard work recently, haven't we boys, right? I make them get out and they cut the lawn with a pair of scissors. Right? I get it. I know I'm mean. 
But when I overhear her say, I just hope this is a phase and I don't know what to do. My first thought was knock the phase out of him. Beat him until the phase bleeds out. You can edit that later, Jonathan. That will not be very popular on Facebook, most likely. And I thought, I'm glad God doesn't do that with us. Why? Because like Mary looking at Jesus, she knows what's in there. And sometimes it takes a little straightening to get it out. I'm not saying that Jesus needed to be corrected. That's not my point. But my point is this. There was a relationship here that God had allowed to be part of this first miracle. And the relationship says that sometimes, sometimes what is deep on the inside needs to be brought out. And sometimes that takes some action to do that. Am I making sense this morning? I hope so, because I've got like 15 minutes. If it don't make sense by now, we might as well close it up and let's go on. Mamas believe in their kids. They know what's on the inside of them. And that's why they're willing to correct and straighten whatever needs to be corrected and straightened so that they will head down the path of being who they're supposed to be and bringing out exactly what they know is inside of them. And as a kid, it's hard to see that. You think maybe God right now has taken out His wooden spoon and He's saying to the church, I know there's more in you. I know there's more in you. I don't care what the world is saying right now. I don't care what the popular opinion is on how to correct or straighten is right now. Let me tell you how I'm going to do it. And when God is finished, He will wake a sleeping giant. The inaugural miracle was turning water into wine because that is what Jesus came to do. To turn the old covenant into a new covenant. I'm out of line, Jill, but let me go ahead and jump to that third passage of Scripture. Luke 22 and 20. Luke 22 and 20. The reason why this water to wine was the first miracle is because this goes full circle. Luke 22 and 20 says, Likewise, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood, which is shed for you. Mary says, Jesus, it's time. It's time, Jesus. It's time people start believing in you the way I believe in you. It's time for what's on the inside of you to start coming out. I've been with you behind closed doors and I've heard I've heard you say stuff that would blow my mind. I've heard you do things. I've seen you do things. I've been around you long enough to know that I know what's on the inside of you. Jesus, it's time. It's time. And she was so believing in it that Jesus didn't even have to say it. And she turns around and tells everybody, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Hey, servants, get ready. Go do whatever you got to do to get ready. 
Because Jesus' time is here. And he's about to take the old covenant, the, 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 which is represented in the water. Why? Because if you go to Exodus chapter 17, when God called his people out, and then he set them in the wilderness, and they needed provision, what did he do? He had Moses go to a rock and strike it, and water comes from a stone. Jesus then, being our rock and our stone, is saying water is just not the only thing that's going to come from me, but my blood is going to come from me. And when I am stricken, and when I am cut, and when I am struck, both water and blood are going to flow out. And it's going to do so in a way where I'm not just going to change you by ceremony, or by ritual, or by religion. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to address your heart. I'm going to address your needs. I'm going to address all the stuff on the inside of you. Why? Because I know what's on the inside of you and I'll do whatever it takes to bring it out. Don't make me throw this thing. Jeremiah 31. Chapter 31. Verse 31. We're going to read verses 31 through 33. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was the husband to them, says the Lord. It's not by coincidence that this was at a wedding where Jesus is saying, the earthly bridegroom, you fell short, but this bridegroom is stepping in and I'm going to take what seems to be natural and normal and I'm going to put my super in it and I'm going to make it supernatural. Verse 33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The old covenant through a system of laws and, and ceremonies and rituals was meant to be between God and a people, to pull a people out from the world and separate them unto Himself so that they could have a right relationship with Him. Right? The whole point of the old covenant is to pull someone, is to pull out this group of people. Started with Abraham, right? Pull, pull, you come out, come out. Let's take some time to get rid of the flesh, and by ceremony and by ritual and by law, I'm separating you unto myself so that we can have a relationship, so that you can have my presence, so that you can be a vessel of my presence so that the whole world may know that I'm with you in such a way that when I'm with you, whoever blesses you, they are going to be blessed and whoever curses you, they are going to be cursed. You know, we know what happened to the old covenant. It was simply there for a season to be fulfilled so that when Jesus steps in to bring a new covenant, it's not that He did away with all of the, the law. He didn't do away with the morality. He didn't do away with, with, with having to be corrected from time to time. He didn't do away with, with all of the, the things that 
they couldn't do in the flesh, but what He did was fulfill it by making it approachable. Making Himself approachable. Making it happen in such a way where now they, anyone, can be in relationship separated to Him. You see, that's what holiness is. Right? That's what holiness is. I used to think holiness was don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or run around with those that do. Right? Now, there are some of those things I do and don't do. Actually, all of those things I do and don't do. But now, I, the reason why I do or do not do things is because holiness is not just separation from the world. It's separation to Him. Does that make sense? And that's what God is calling us all to be. It's what God is calling us all to do. Steph, can you come play? Thank you. Somebody tell her Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I can do that because I have the microphone. Is it possible that maybe God is looking on you today and He believes more in what He has in you than you even believe yourself? Where I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in all of our limitations. Well, God, I would do this, but. Or, God, I'll do this when. Or, God, I'll do this if. And we have all these limitations that we think are holding God back from using us. You may be at that and you may say, I am not perfect. I know I look perfect when I go to church, but I know who I am in the dark. <laughs> and I know the integrity of my heart is not always right. And this is where I as a mature believer, not when I was younger, I'm old now, but when I was younger I had a hard time with this. Now that I'm old, I'm really old. I mean, I'm like, I'm like hard to get up out of bed without groaning old. Come on. I used to never groan when I sat down. Now, what is that? Somebody who's a year or two older than me, please counsel with me after this is over. Because why is it I can't sit? Uh, why is it? I don't know. All I know is this, I'm old enough and mature enough now to be very grateful when God corrects me. When God gets His spoon out and says, that's not who you really are. I know who you really are. I know you think these limitations are keeping you and holding you back. I know you think, and I'm going to borrow a little bit from Wednesday night. I know you think these limitations are really ruling your life. But as the true judge, overruled. I come in and I know where sin does try to abound, overruled. Grace does much more abound. I know where you think if... I know you think you don't have the perfect ability to do what I'm calling you to do, but I'm here to tell you that's not limiting you. And I'm going to get it out of you one way or another. 
There must be a special bond of trust there, which is why I think Mary was allowed to be the very first miracle to the point where she actually instigated it. Because there was such a special bond of trust there. There was such a special bond of Mary knowing what was on the inside of Jesus. Let's all stand. How many of you are glad that you had someone in your life that could look into you and see more in you than you could see in yourself? Even if that meant they were a little hard on you at times. I know, I I realize this is not going to hit the top ten sermons on YouTube because it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough to think that maybe God believes in me enough to do something in my life to bring out the fruit that He's put on the inside of me. Listen, we live in a day and a time in which we all just want to just let it all happen for us. And There's a world out there of entitlement And that's not the way it works. If the woman with the issue of blood would have been entitled, she would have died in her issue. But because she saw a window of opportunity, and yes, there was a struggle between her window and the opportunity, and yet she said, if I've got to crawl, I will get there. She told herself, if I could just touch the hem of His garment, if I could just get out, whatever it is I do have on the inside of me, I know that my limitation would be stopped, and God would do something miraculous in me, and give me the strength that I need. I know that it you understand that that's not, that's not something that somebody preached to her. It's something she believed about herself first. Because she knew who Jesus was. As a dad... I love my children most days. No, just kidding. Every day. Every day, all day. And I love them in such a way that I want to bless them. There's nothing like the feeling of getting a gift for them and blessing them with it. I'm, I'm... on their birthday, I'm more excited than they are because I know what we got in store for them. Right? But that same love, oh, this is hard, y'all okay? That same love that wants to pour a blessing out on them also wants to say, if you don't line up, I'll do whatever I got to do to keep you in right relationship. Because I see what's on the inside of you. And I know all that stuff out there you're going to be facing. I believe in you. To the point I'm willing to do a little. When I need to. Let's look at what's going on in the world and let's just say, God, is it possible you're doing something to wake us up? Is it possible? I may be just crazy enough to think it's possible. And if it's possible, then that means there's something on the inside of us that He sees that this world needs. Father God, we love you this morning. 
We thank you. We ask, Lord. We ask, Lord, that we could just get but a glimpse of what you see. God, I know that inside of us there's a struggle. I would be willing to bet that there's not a single person in this building that doesn't struggle with something. Father, I also know this. I also trust that your ability is stronger than my struggle. And that in some crazy way, you can actually use that to grow me. To build what you want built through us. To do what you want done through us. Father, I want to thank you that you allowed Mary to instigate the first miracle that showed what you were to be about. Now I pray that you use us to show the world what you're about. You're about turning dead people to life. You're about taking that which is impossible and making it possible. You're about taking our sin and turning it into grace and mercy and love. You're about taking our separation and making a way for us to be connected with You again. Father, You're about love, but You're also about power. And I pray, God, that You make us Your people. Make us, make us be that tangible expression of the love and the power of God that this world needs. Father, we honor You. What an honor it is to be a part of You. In Jesus' name we pray. If you love Him, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Don't forget your plants. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.